Welcome to Into the Fire. I'm Duncan. And I'm Kate. And we're here to talk about life. The good, the bad, and the ugly. So come join the conversation. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. And um, it's great that we've got Amber Brooks here again. Welcome back, Amber. Hey, thanks. So good, good to, to have, have you. With you. Us. Yes, yes. And, you know, we were so encouraged by your story. And um, this is part two to your story. And th- there's always so much we can yarn about. And um, but this week, we, we just wanted to talk about mental health and spirituality because you know, mental health and mental illness has been rather taboo over the years. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, I'm a pastor, um, Christian minister, but I was trained as an occupational therapist and, and did my stint where I worked in acute mental health hospitals and, you know, people that were having breakdowns or anxiety uh, attacks. And, you know, it was affecting their life. And um, it was one of those places where people very vulnerable Mm -hmm. but yet they need support to get back to a place of health and and just like any other illness in our body it requires attention sometimes medication and a lot of understanding and so you know as I say mental health has been a taboo in the church but it's very common for people to experience depression anxiety psychotic episodes Mm -hmm. different seasons in their life so you know I know this is something that you wanted to talk about from your perspective and you know we're just so glad for the opportunity for you to be able to be honest and and share what's on your heart about this whole subject yeah yeah I I um I would agree wholeheartedly that um mental health is a very very taboo topic. Um, I've I've even heard sermons from different ministers over the years talking about how if you're depressed, it's because mm. you're in sin, mm. or if you have anxiety, it's because you're in sin, and it's almost like a yeah. demonic punishment from mm. some area in your life that yeah you're not acknowledging or repenting of. And I'm thinking. That's the only area in health that that's spoken about yeah. like that. Like you, you wouldn't tell somebody that has diabetes no. or a heart issue, like an actual, like yeah. an aortic heart issue or something that there's a sin issue in your life that you need to repent of. Mm-hmm. And that's why like yeah. you're doing this to yourself. Yeah. Mm. Which is really ironic to me because I would say that the root of a lot of depression and anxiety starts with shame. Yeah. And so whether it be shame from a traumatic event, shame from yeah, just the, the way you speak to yourself, the way other people yeah. speak towards you, life in general, and then you want to look to the church. I'm yeah. not dissing the church, but this has just been my experience. Yeah. You look to the church as someone who has struggled with anxiety and depression for the majority of my life that I can remember mm. I'll 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 listen to that and it's that reinforced yeah. shame where it's like mm. okay I feel shame yeah 
or whatever, and I'm depressed and anxious because I feel shame and I'm looking for help and I'm told that I should be ashamed about it because obviously there's a gross sin in my life. Yeah. And it's just that continual Mm -hmm. feedback loop. Mm -hmm. And, and, but what's really interesting is, you know, this year alone, I would say, especially in the last five years, um, people in ministry are committing suicide left, right, and center. And it's tragic and it's awful. And, and some people would either say we had no idea or we did know and we didn't know what to do about it. Yeah. And, and I think that part of the problem is we have to be okay with talking about it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's so true. And, you know, when I'm thinking about you know, some religious people and ministers have said things like, you know, you must have a demon or it must be sin or whatever. You know, very often they're the ones that have never experienced a mental health episode of their own. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, it's staggering that at some point in our life, I mean, I'm not so good with numbers, but the statistics are so high that somebody in their lifetime will experience either an episode of depression or anxiety. Mm-hmm. And we just think it's just a few people over there, but it's actually very widespread for the population. Right. And if, if you think about the stress of life and, mm-hmm. and all the milestones and, you know, people like trying to find their life purpose, what jobs are going to suit them. You know, some people struggle with enough finances to keep their family there's so many things right. that could make us feel overcome with stress and pressure and feel like we're overwhelmed with life. Right. And, you know, God's purpose was the very people, his people would be able to love and care and even know how to talk about this issue. Right. And you said sometimes there's just people don't know what to do. Right. Yeah, and I think that's a that's a difficult thing too because if you don't have experience with it in your own life, it's hard to yeah relate to what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> yeah, it's it's one of those things where I think more people experience it than anybody realizes. Mm. Yeah, and you have these, you know. Sunday morning greetings. How you doing, brother in the Lord? Great sister in Christ. Hallelujah. Mm. You know, and they're not a catch the fire. No, never a catch the fire. So, mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> right. But at that church over yeah, there, that, yeah, 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 the one down mm. the one down the street. <laughs> but but do you, it's almost like yeah. you know we yeah. follow Jesus, so we have to be like, happy, right? Like, mm-hmm. how are we going to be the light of the world if we're if we're sad, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, you bring mm-hmm. that into the light. Like you're honest, yeah. like you talk about it and yeah. you grow in it. Because, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. And, and mm. you talked about this whole thing of Jesus and his life and, you know, even his own example of Judas as one of his mm-hmm. disciples who went and hung himself. You know, I always think, wow, if only we could know what was going on in Judas's mind and thoughts at that moment where he had premeditated to end his life. It's like, wow, there was shame, there was fear, Mm -hmm. 
and it happened. And, you know, sadly, these things happen. And like you say, not everybody feels that they've got a safe place. Right. I mean, Jesus sweat blood yeah. in the Garden of Gethsemane. Yeah, right? that was, was a was lot praying. of anxiety. Like, that sounds like a lot. That sounds like a bad day. You know, yeah. and, you know, he and the Bible says that, you know, Jesus was tempted in every way without sin. So yeah. in my mind, I'm like, well, if he got that anxious. Yeah. The, then Jesus had an anxious episode, but didn't sin. Yes. So that yeah. that kind of helps me to think about. And Jesus wept. Yeah. He was able to be in touch with his emotion. And I think. I think as individuals, if we can be around people where we can be in touch with what is actually happening in our heart. And I know sometimes in marriage it's easy to do that. Sometimes that's easy in your family to do that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's not. And I think similarly, sometimes in the body of Christ, it's easy to do that and sometimes it's not. Right. And creating a place of safety and care where people can put their hand up and say, I need help. Mm -hmm. Takes a lot of courage sometimes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like for me, I didn't even, I still don't really know how to talk about it mm. fluidly. But mm. um, I remember being like a kid. And I was just minding my own business, outside playing as I did, I, you know, talking about in the earlier podcast, you know, 150 some odd acres, mm. just living the dream, you know, not a care in the world. And mm. then I remember like it was yesterday. It was like somebody put a dark, heavy blanket wow. over my head. Couldn't tell you where it came from. Couldn't tell you why it was there. And just something in me was like, I don't want to run around anymore. Hmm. Or it's really, really hard to want to. Hmm. And I, I didn't know what to call it. I didn't know what it was. I mean, off the top of my head at that point, I couldn't tell you any really horrible memories of anything that I'd had. It was just one day it was like I woke up hmm. and it was just this thing was there. Yeah. And for my family, there's a, there's a history on both sides of depression and anxiety. Right. Um, there's a history of suicide in my family. Um, a lot of them have either been, like, I'm talking like generations, mm. you know, yeah. antidepressants, anti-anxiety, yeah. medication, those kinds of things. And I, I tried that. Well, I remember trying it the first time when I was in my early 20s because I was thinking, okay, this works for people. But, at you know, also at that time I had it in my mind like, okay, if I take medicine for it, then, then I'm admitting that yeah. this is a thing that yeah. I have no control over. Mm. And it made me feel kind of helpless and yeah. weak. Yeah. And I don't. A failure. A failure, yeah. yeah. And I, did, I didn't like that feeling. You're giving into it or whatever. Yeah. But everything was going, and I'm sure there was, and there was some some deep woundings in my heart that I ended up 
talking through like through like therapy or inner healing mm. or what have you like conversations with friends but um i was thinking okay well this isn't abnormal for people in my family it's nobody's fault like maybe there's just actually yeah. a chemical imbalance happening somewhere and yeah. we're going to try to figure out a way to see if we can level it off like yeah, yeah. and i tried it for a little bit and it did not work for me at all. Mm. I mean, it completely changed my personality. Mm. It yeah. being medication. Medication completely changed my personality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking I would rather have like a few really off days than play Russian roulette with who I am. Like just as a, mm. like personality wise. I mean, it, yeah. it just... And they, you know, they even talk about it on the commercials. Like the fact that you can call your doctor after you see a commercial to talk about a medication, like it just blows my mind. And mm -hmm. America's the only mm -hmm. country that you can do that and, in. And they stay all the side effects. <laughs> yeah. All these happy people on the commercial. Mm -hmm. This medication may lead to thoughts of suicide exactly. and death. And you're like, like, really? Well, if you're already prone to that, like why? <laughs> Maybe you trying to up the ante. It We're makes... feeding the beast. Exactly. I'm like, how does this make any sense? So, so I... I took it and then for for like the, I did the six week thing and then like this is I mean, it's just not worth it to me and so I tapered off of it um, and just sort of went back to doing what I was normally doing I I started exercising more changed my diet a little bit mm -hmm. um, you know and then life happens as it as it does and. There were, there just, it, everything just felt like it was compounding. Like you, you were saying, like for some people, it, it could be finances, it could yeah. be jobs, it could be. So there was a, a, a few, quite a few external pressures, external pressures and external, like, uh, I was in a really serious relationship that really ended in a very bad way. Yeah. Um, so that was an outside thing. Work was an outside thing. Uh, you know, I, like to the point to where I just, I moved because I just needed like a year to just hide away for a little bit. Mm. And, um, and for, for whatever reason, because I was still in ministry at the time too, but yeah. for whatever reason, something in me was like, I'm strong, I'm in ministry, like I'm, I'm on the front lines as it were, like I'm not yeah. allowed to, lose quotations, allowed to have yeah. any sort of, you know, like I'm, I'm the people that I'm the person that people look to, yeah. mm -hmm. which isn't necessarily true, but it's how it feels sometimes. Like yeah. this, this resp I almost felt responsible. Mm -hmm. Like if I take a time out, like I'll be letting these people down, or you know, this grandiose idea that I had in my mind about who I was will be shattered mm -hmm. because I'll be yeah. a human with yeah problems be disqualified. Right. By those problems. Yeah. Right. So um, mm. were you able to ask for help or admit that you were needing help at that point? Like, how did you deal with that? At that point, I honestly did what I think a, a lot more people than we realize do. I buried myself in as many events and as mm. many conferences and as much studio work yeah. as I could get my hands on. Um. Because I, I thought that that was the thing that I could bring to the table, that that I had value 
left in, I felt like I didn't really have much else at that point. Yeah. And it's not that I didn't, but I convinced myself that all I had left was ministry. Yeah. Which is very bizarre mm. when I say it out loud, but mm. I was absolutely convinced that that was true. Mm. And so I uh, eventually found myself in Raleigh <laughs> working with you guys and yay. Um, yay. yay it's been it's been awesome and uh, I just remember hearing all these sermons about like inner healing and God is a father and I remember thinking this is bullcrap and I do not want to hear it <laughs> don't want to hear it because <laughs> something in me I think was so angry that if this were to actually be real and true mm-hmm. why did it take me so long to find it yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that part of me wasn't looking for it. And mm-hmm. so I very apprehensively would like dip my toe in a little mm-hmm. bit, a little bit more and a little mm-hmm. bit more. And things in me started getting uncovered that absolutely needed to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. But it was such a push and pull back and forth where it was like, I would be super into, you know, these, these advances that I'd feel like I'd have in healing, but then something in me would get snatched back and be like, mm. yeah, but are you ever actually going like, to be better? Yeah. Mm. Is it actually going to ever go away? Mm. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't know how to combat that. And I have a little bit of a tendency to um, err on the side of pride because I want to protect myself. It's not mm-hmm. because I think I'm better. It's like I, I need to know that I'm safe. Yeah. Mm. And um, I think because sometimes in the process of healing, it's not that I was never not safe. It was that I didn't feel like I was in control of what was going to happen. Yeah. Right. So I didn't really know what to do with that. And so it was. It would be like I would I would open up just enough in therapy or go just far enough in an e- inner healing situation where I would – I would be able to walk away and say, yeah, I addressed this thing and I don't really ever talk about it, but I don't know how much like depth actually happened. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so whatever was swimming just under the surface started compounding again and compounding again and compounding again. And this was like years of culmination where I would think, I feel like I'm making progress and I was, but there was something underneath that was just always there and it felt like a volcano inside of me mm-hmm. and yeah. then it reached a point where i was like whoa none of this is working yeah. but this feeling will not go away and i will do whatever i need to to make this feeling just like whatever like just take the edge off just a little bit mm-hmm. just a little bit mm-hmm. and so i uh got caught in a trap of, you know, I'll just have a glass of wine here and there. Yeah. And then that turned into getting a little out of control because something in me, it was like a light bulb went off where I was like, if I do this enough, I don't feel the way I felt anymore. And I'm Mm -hmm. not hurting anybody. I'm going to, I'm going to sleep. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm not bothering anybody. I I do great at my job, you know, my, my relationships with my friends are fine, you know, whatever. And then the more I was like, it's fine, it's fine, the least, 
the less and less fun it actually got. But in my mind, I was like, well, the only alternative is taking medicine again. And I can't, I'm not going to do that because I remember what it did. And then it got so bad where I had no choice. I was like, I, and so I finally was like, I just went to the doctor. And at the time, like I said, financially, there, there weren't any outside circumstances at that point that would have made sense for me to feel mm. the way I was feeling. Yeah. It was just that compoundedness of things that I didn't know how to yeah. address. Yeah. And the doctor looked at me and he was like, how are you functioning? Because wow. it, he made me mm. take these tests. Mm-hmm. He was like, how are you functioning? He was like, you are off the charts for wow. depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. He was like, your, your blood pressure is actually borderline tachycardic. Wow. And he was like, and you are so calm and even keel. Wow, Amber, that's amazing. Yeah, and mm. I, I said, well, what can you give me for that? <laughs> yeah. And so he... Um, Actually, really, doctor, it's not that good. No. I'm really not that much I'm together. Trying to actually. hold it together. <laughs> no, but, you know, but, but what's so interesting is I'm, you, you, you talk to me anytime. I'm usually just this way. I'm oh, just, yeah. just chill. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me like I had four heads and I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. Mm. What can we, what can we do about this? Like, I don't know what else to do at this point. Mm. And, um, so we tried the medicine, you know, uh, got stuff for anxiety and for depression and same thing happened where I, but it lasted three days this time. And I went right back to the doctor and I said, I feel rageful. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. what is in my body, but I literally, I don't think I'd actually do it, but I would start a fist fight with a five-year-old child right mm. now. Like, that's mm. how angry <laughs> wow. I feel, and that's not normal no, for that's, me. That's no. right. And I think this is, this wow. is part of the challenge, is that you've got all this internal um, thoughts and feelings that you're dealing with, but sometimes the experimentation of getting the cocktail of medications right it's crazy is has its own problems oh yeah Uh, yeah absolutely and i even asked a friend about it because not a lot of people knew at the time that i was taking these medicine these medications but i talked to someone that knew that i knew had a history with a specific one and i said this is how i feel and she said oh yeah i was murderous when Mm -hmm. i was on this specific thing and i was like nope not doing that so i went back got it switched out and so it was just it was rough for a little bit and then finally Mm. I was on like a little combination of something that I felt was making me feel like normal again Mm -hmm. um and so because of my mind I'm like oh I feel normal again so I can have wine again and that's Mm. like a big no-no like you're not supposed to mix those ever um and 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 the problem with medication like that is sometimes it can work and then all of a sudden it'll go and then it'll stop working. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They've been known to do that too. And so right in sort of the middle of me feeling better and then I, I was drinking a little bit and then was like, no, this isn't a good idea. And so I stopped. And then that was around the time that we went to the 25th anniversary um, mm-hmm. uh, conference and I'm scheduled to lead worship, and I'm like, hey, I'm leading worship. This is a huge conference. Yeah. Um, I'm. I feel 
drugged because I am drugged, but yeah. at least I'm functioning yeah. know, without, without a tornado inside of me. And um, that was a really interesting event because it was like one of the, probably one of the craziest like worship moments I've ever personally experienced. It was one of the most profound worship moments I've ever had the privilege of being part of Amber. And I'm sitting there yeah. and I'm riding the hot mess express thinking like, <laughs> like, like all, just highly aware of all these things that are going on in my life. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, is this a joke? Mm. Like, really? You're showing up this way. Tangibly. This tangibly. And I yeah. am like, probably, I, I shouldn't even be on the stage right now. It just blew, it blew my mind. Because, it just absolutely blew my mind. Because the shame was telling you, mm-hmm. you shouldn't be here. Oh, yeah. Because you're struggling with some mental illness at this point. Yeah. I mean, I was trapped in a feedback loop at that yeah. point. It was like, yeah. Um, yeah, mental illness is, you know, taboo. You're, you're on medication for this mental illness. You're flirting with alcohol really a lot and it's gonna get you in trouble eventually if you don't stop it but that adds even more shame to it right and so it's just like this constant shame cycle that i was just trapped in and i'm like and here i am singing and the the lord is showing up it did not compute in my brain yeah wow and the holy spirit kind of just took over the crowd and and you just waited and stepped back in mm-hmm. this moment and allowed God to do what he wanted to do in the room. Yeah, tell us about that. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of funny. Um, like I went back and I watched the video a while ago and there's this certain point in the video where I can see myself, just because I know myself, I'm actually mouth the words. It wasn't over the mic, it was like to the Lord and I say out loud to him, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. Don't know what I'm doing. But something in me, you know, I had in my in-ears and they're molds, so they're fit like perfectly to like Custom. there's no there's no sound from the outside that can get in unless it's super loud and over a microphone. And so I'm having this sort of moment in the very beginning of the song where I'm thinking, all right, let's just see what happens. Mm. Let's just hang on the hang on the one and we'll just chill. And we'll see, we'll just see, we'll just create space. And then I start singing, I can't remember what it was, just some, it's just simple things um, to the Lord. And because I, th- I th- honestly think it was like, I did it selfish for myself a little bit because in my mind, I'm thinking I have You're to, pretty desperate. I have to get center. Like I have yeah. to, I have to sin- get myself central and like, not like force myself to focus on the Lord, but I just knew like, unless I lean back into mm-hmm. Jesus, I'm not going to, I don't, I'm not going to make it through this set without yeah. forcing something. And I don't ever want to force anything. And so we're having just kind of this moment where I'm just singing little things, centering myself, but also trying to just put my focus on the Lord, put, put the crowd's focus on the Lord. And then all of a sudden my in-ears are just full of just like noise, like just the singing. 
And I'm thinking, where is that coming from? So I rip one ear out and I realized like the crowd is so loud singing that it's hitting my microphone and mm. going back through. And I was, and I've learned that once a song starts singing itself to step away, like mm-hmm. when the, when the, when the, when the song of the Lord starts to sing itself and, and I don't have to do anything about it yeah. and the crowds into it, like just let them take it because that, you know, the Lord is there to encounter his people. Yeah. And mm. if I get credit for it, sweet, but I don't really need it, but it just felt like something was really happening mm. and it, mm. and it just, I think it lasted for like 10 minutes. And yeah. then all of a sudden yeah. I remember like I said, I stepped away and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so I physically stepped away from the microphone. Yeah. And then um, it just felt like one of those moments where I was like, okay, the let's just see what happens when the instruments, like, let's just see what they, what they hear. Let's see what they come up with. Um, let's just see what happens. Mm. And it just kept building and building and building from there. And then at one point I just remember hearing everybody like, lose their ever-loving minds like just people just <laughs> yeah. yelling we and i'm thinking what is, I'm like, yeah. what is happening mm-hmm. and so but it ended up being pretty pretty cool very astonishing yeah, yeah that's amazing mm. well I, I i'd like to just kind of bring out a point that was made about how in your mind you were trying to cope with your thoughts how can i live on this medication how can i not live on it how can i resist taking alcohol and you know when i think back to some of the history of of people that train for ministry mm-hmm. they're very much taught as pastors you keep aloof from your congregants you never show weakness mm-hmm. you don't you don't do vulnerability with them because you're their leader right and you know going back to your original comments that You know, why are people taking their life when they're in ministry? And, you know, what leads someone to such a place of desperation that they're not able to recognize that perhaps, you know, the first steps are admission, I need help. Mm -hmm. I need to come off a podium, a platform where I've set myself away from being human. And, you know, living in... Yeah, and actually come to a place of acknowledging need. Needing, needing help, needing to get off something in our being that is driving us to perform. Right. And the fear of losing a platform, a voice, Mm. influence Mm -hmm. that drives people to keep going even though they're really struggling and but don't know how to get, it's like a hamster wheel just going round and round. Totally. And, you know, Duncan, you, you preach about this, that we're, we're trying to do, we're trying to do this. We're trying to be all spiritual. We're trying to keep our quiet times. We're, we're trying to be an amazing leader, but all, all along we're, we're falling apart in our soul. Mm -hmm. We're losing who our connection is to God himself, the very, the very person of God. And that raw humanity. And, you know, so often the first step is is being in a place where we can say, I need help. Mm-hmm. I can't keep this pace up. And my yep. experience of meeting with people is that sometimes that's not easy to do. 
Yeah. Were you able to recognize at that point that you maybe needed some outside help or you needed to share that with leaders? Yeah, I think at that point, um, yes and no. And uh, not too long after that, it was, I was sort of put in a very unique position where the answer was uh, absolutely yes. It is time to, you know, say words and talk about things. Um, I really think that it was the kindness of God that brought me to that to that space. Yeah. And um, so eventually, yes. Um, and I just I just had to make the choice where I'm like. You know, mm-hmm. I'm either I'm either all in or I'm not because what I've been doing yeah. has not been working, and um, not soon after that I I sort of made the decision um, also like to discontinue the m- medication again, and that was almost two years ago, and I haven't been on anything since. Mm-hmm. Um, gotten a lot of really helpful tools. Good. Um, that that's really helped me. I still have great days i still have some days where i'm like this is horrible i don't know and but then i just have to go back like to the tools that i've learned um you know meditation whether it be like on the word or Mm -hmm. you know just just prophetic words or you know just positive things um exercise has really helped me a lot Mm -hmm. it's just finding because I've, I've realized at this point in my journey that, you know, I'm not telling anybody to n- not take medicine. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying for me, what yeah. I've realized is I haven't found something that has worked. Yeah. And I don't really want to try to find it again because I've just, I haven't had a good experience with it. Mm-hmm. And I feel pretty confident as long as I stay intentional with yeah. staying open and talking things through, staying yeah. in community, yeah. um, and yeah. focusing on being healing. vulnerable. Being vulnerable, yeah. That, that's yeah. been really think, helpful. Yeah, I think that one of the prof- deepest, most profound things that can happen for us as human beings is that, our, that we, the penny finally drops and our significance comes from who we are as our heavenly daddies, sons and daughters, mm-hmm. and not what we do and we're just so i mean i know it's an old cliche we're human beings not human doings but it's so profoundly um fundamental to so much of the mindset the condition of our minds is actually centered on being at peace with who we are Mm -hmm. and when we realize that our righteousness, which means our right standing with God, with each other, with ourselves, comes from what God has given to us as a free gift and not from some uh, thing that we've earned by our talent or by our disciplines or by our behavior, etc. But it's come purely through faith in Jesus Christ mm-hmm. that that has given us this place of awesome purity in God where we stand before him naked in the sense that there's nothing about us that qualifies us to be there 
other than who he is mm -hmm. and his choice of us and the and all that his son has done for us at the cross when that begins to really profoundly deeply settle in our hearts yeah then instead of being like judas who his response to betraying jesus was going and hanging himself mm -hmm. in hopelessness and shame our response is like peter who also denied yeah. jesus betrayed jesus mm -hmm. but he was able to come back yeah and and recognize that what jesus did on the cross for him was sufficient for him to be able to say lord you know that i love you yeah and spend the rest of his life being fruitful in the lord and so i think the search for significance for all of us is a and for all of you that are listening you know when when we search for significance in all the wrong places that's when we end up in you know substance abuse we end up in shame patterns yeah. of shame hamster wheel patterns of shame pain. escape, escape mm -hmm. from pain etc etc and and because of shame and because it's rooted in shame it becomes even more dangerous because then we become isolated in the midst of that pain. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the very we avoid the community that we exactly, actually we is avoid the, the very community. thing the the family, the family of God that's meant to help us, or individuals that we can be safe and vulnerable with. And yeah, I and, think that's one of those keys. And when when our place in the community yeah. is assured just because of who we are, yeah, not because we can preach or we can serve or we can yeah. we're really good at hospitality or we perhaps really good at worship or you know or we've got the coolest clothes or the greatest haircut or yeah. you know or we're the wealthiest person in the community or whatever it might be all of those things that are just all false significance mm -hmm. but actually our place in the in the community yeah. is just because of who we are just because jesus loves us and yeah. we love us and the community are able there we're able to see that the community love us we can now come and say hey you know what um yeah. i need to share this with you i've really been screwing up i've had this secret life of mm. drinking or i've had this secret life of pornography or i've had this secret life yeah. of you know or spending I've, money or gambling or, or whatever it might be struggling with my thoughts or i've, I've been struggling I've with been my thoughts i've been feeling yeah. like i'm going to harm myself and yeah you know if if we isolate ourselves from the very people in community that can help us mm -hmm. mm. whether that's a, a friend who happens to be a doctor or a therapist or whether it's just a, a regular person in a church where we can say i feel like i'm losing a grip i feel like i need some help i think that's the way back actually for many of us yep mm -hmm. and you know amber you've shown by your story that you've had to fight to stay well, mm -hmm. to to stay in in the place that God has for you, but you've also recognised a need for other people in your life, whether that's to pray with you or to help you get treatment or therapy or whatever, or just be friends, or just to a friend that you can reach mm -hmm. out and just say, "I'm just having a really bad day," or "Can I just be with you?" Mm -hmm. And you know, I think one of the greatest gifts. That we have, we might not be experts in mental health and psychiatry, but we can just be a friend and sit with somebody in their pain mm. or in their struggle for that moment and, and, and validate and say, you care. You mean something. Right. 
You're worth it. There's God has a plan for you. He's going to work this out for your good. You're going to get through this. And, you know, sometimes we need the courage of somebody else in our life when we don't have it. Absolutely. I would say that that is, that's huge because, you know, it just, because it feels like such a grandiose topic, everybody, I guess, would assume that there has to be a, a grandiose solution. Mm-hmm. And it's like, sometimes just be a friend. Yeah. Mm. Just listen. Yeah. Mm. Just listen. Don't try to fix it. Yeah. Just listen and hug them if they need it. Don't yeah. hug them if they need it. Don't mm. say anything. Yeah. Don't try to fix it. Just mm. sometimes you just need to listen. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's so good. You know, I think about Job and his his three friends, and we forget that there was actually a fourth person there, Elihu, and he was the youngest, and he did the best. He just sat there. He sat all through all of his each of his friends' three discourses, all of Job's discourses that were twice as long as each of his <laughs> friends. And when everybody had finished and everybody had stopped talking and Job was still in his deep pain and no answers had been found and Job felt justified before him, you know, before God to say that somehow God was unfair. Although he, you know, he didn't curse God, which was amazing. But that's when Elihu finally spoke up, you know, but it was... And it was profound what he said, and it led Job to realize that actually God is not the one on trial, and God doesn't need to answer for himself Mm. at all. Right. (laughs) And thankfully, God does show up, and and God talks about all the wonders of all that God's made, and then displays his love to Job, reminds Job of how little he is and how big God is. And then reminds him, therefore, of how important Job must be for this awesome God to love him. And I just think about Elihu and what an awesome, awesome friend he was mm-hmm. to just keep his mouth shut mm-hmm. all the way through. Mm-hmm. And then when he did have the chance to open his mouth to really just talk about the greatness of God and remind Job that God was with him yeah. and was great. Behold, God is great. So, Amber, you're moving off now to CFAN, to mm-hmm. Orlando. Mouse land, yes. Yes. <laughs> and how are you going to, you know, go about uh, making sure that, you know, you find yourself able to stay healthy while you're down there? Yeah, while I'm down there, um, I will probably, I'm definitely going to keep in touch with people here Good. I mean, Come you know you, you you live somewhere for almost eight years yeah surely you have a friend or two you could call if oh, you need to yes. right yeah you have so, two right here so. there you go mm-hmm. yeah absolutely so obviously you know transitioning anywhere is never easy mm-hmm. um so stay in touch with the people that are aware of a little more more of the intimate details of my journey yeah, yeah. um that I can that I can be real with and about and That's like good. if I need to and um, probably like because I have a couple friends in Orlando um, and maybe we'll just be like hey should mm. I need a therapist at some point come on yeah. 
Can I have some phone numbers? You know, because when yeah. you yeah. when you move states, it has to you know yeah. has to change. So that'll that'll be interesting to shop around again. If you know, should the time come, but um, I feel like I have um, resources of mm. of additional things outside of you know an official licensed therapist that I can yeah. you know that I'll always that are just usually a phone call or a zoom yeah. away. And, yeah. Um, Definitely going to stay on top of it because I have nothing to lose by staying on top of it. That's good. That's really good. And, And, you know, it's really good that you have thought about this. mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously moving is one of the biggest stresses and, and, you know, can cause anyone to discombobulate, starting a new job, getting a new home and... During a pandemic, During a pandemic, exactly. (laughs) Enough to bring out the best and the worst in all of us. Absolutely. But, you know, Amber, thank you for sharing and being open and vulnerable today about yeah. your struggle and Amazing. about the wins and and how the grace and the mercy of God has even just, he's been able to be glorified through some of the broken areas. But I was just wondering if you would just pray for some of our people that are listening that might be walking through these very real struggles of grappling with mental health, anxiety, depression, or any other things, and having to deal with medication and and even people not understanding, you know, mm-hmm. there's an element that not everybody's going to get this right. mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to be okay with that. But, you know, just to it's encourage come out of them. The, come mm-hmm. out of the prison of shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus, um, thank you that we're all fearfully and wonderfully made that you are very intentional about every aspect of who we are. Yeah. And I'm just asking now for anybody out there listening that might be experiencing some or all or worse than what I've been talking about, that they would find a sense of hope Mm. and Mm. also a sense of, of bravery to, to say what they need to, whether it's talking to a friend or a pastor, or uh, you know, a therapist trying medication, whatever, whatever, whatever the proper next step needs to be. Just, just, yeah. and I just ask that you would just help them know, like even right now, mm-hmm. that they're not alone. Yeah, like mm. that you would uh, manifest your presence right mm. now, whether they're in their car, in their house, like or yeah. hiding in their closet crying because they they did it again. Whatever it is, mm. that shame mm. feedback loop. Yeah. That that can happen. Um, that you would just make your presence known to them, mm. and yes. um, mm. and I just ask for uh, grace mm. for their community and whoever they're in with people that whether they understand or not, yeah. that they would just um, just find grace and reassurance mm. that we're all really in this together. You know, no nobody's ever lived life before, so we don't really know what we're doing, but. <laughs> yeah. But we know that there's safety in numbers, so I just mm. um, just ask for your grace for people to say that they need help if they do. Yeah. In yeah. Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Wow, what an amazing mm. couple of podcasts. Yeah. Amber Brooks, thank yeah. you so very much. Yeah. yeah thank thank you, you for your friendship. Thank yeah. you for your love. And thank you for everything that you've shared. You're amazing. Thanks. Yeah.
And we for sure are going to miss you around we here are. at Cash the Fire. Oh, but we'll yeah. have you back. Yeah. And you can come visit me in Florida. We oh, will. Yeah. We'd love to do that. that. Let's do it. <laughs> we'll be good. <laughs> uh, we'll come down and see Daniel and Rebecca and Amber Brooks. There you go. Ooh, yeah. Come on. <laughs> be awesome. All right. Well, God bless and thank you so much. Thank you.